Hi, Mr. Cole. Father God, thank you for loving us enough to send your son to give his life and buy us with his sinless blood the price that we couldn't pay when we were lost and without hope. We just praise you and we thank you for your goodness and for putting up with us, Lord, um, with some of our foolishness and still loving us. There's none like you. We praise you. We put you first in our lives and we say you are our king and you are our God and you are our master and we give free reign to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do here tonight, we welcome you and ask you to go ahead. And we, we just look to you. To you, Lord Jesus, and thank you for all you've done and all you will do. In Christ's name, amen. 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 All right. Woo! Everybody meet Calvin? So, Calvin, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. Yeah. And we're in verse 14. <laughs> that was my first sermon. Uh-huh. Right. Did you preach or did you hurt? Did you? Oh, with me? In your house, you remember? Wow. You don't remember that? that? It's called Mad Dash Through Hebrews. Did the whole chapter in 30 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we drove a little bit. He gets through one verse. Are you sure that was me? <laughs> that was me. He, I don't know if you remember. It was Calvin. No, you preached it huh? Oh, that's right. You did. You did. That's right. I remember that. So, Who's teaching, he said. I said, you are. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. All right. Well, we're in Hebrews 2.14, but I'm going to read verse 13 again. Get back up to you. Um, where the Lord says, and again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. He is the branch out of dry ground, and who shall tell of his generations? Well, God told of his generations, because we are the children that God gave the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that carries us to verse 14, and uh, we're going to concentrate on the first half of the verse, but I'm going to read the entire verse. <laughs> For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. That verse is such a mouthful that we're going to take it in two stages. So we're going to concentrate on, and that's why the title is Blood and Flesh. And you notice right off the bat, what's different about the title and how that verse reads? Yeah, the words are backwards because, you know, slick dexic, what can I say? <laughs> Not really. Blood and flesh. Blood and flesh. It's intentional. It's intentional. Flesh and blood in the Greek text of Hebrews 2.14 is hematos kai sarkos. It's blood and flesh. Blood comes first, then flesh. It's blood and flesh. As a matter of fact, it's the same order... When you get to Ephesians 6, verse 12, where it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood in the King James. We wrestle not against blood and flesh. So, what's the difference? What's the nuance? Why, why the word order, and why would that be important? We'll get to that. Flesh and blood correlates to the idiom of flesh and bones. Have you heard the idiom, flesh and bones? You're my flesh and bones. She's my flesh and bones, right? The way they correlate in actuality is the fact that your red blood cells are produced where? Your bone. In your bone marrow. Your red blood cells are produced in your bone marrow. So the phrase flesh and blood as an idiom and 
flesh and bone as an idiom are synonymous. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, you with me? We're going on a wild ride, so if I get off the highway and you don't know what exit I took, please wave. Because I, I don't, I, anyhow, I trust the Lord to carry us through. But these truths to me are astounding and overwhelming and nearly too holy to touch. Our interactions with others typically move from the outside to the inside. Humans, particularly after the fall, we how do we see people? Do we see people blood and flesh? No. No. What do we see? Flesh and blood. We work from the outside in. Galatians 1, 15 and 16. But when, I, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal the Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Now in the Greek, this is flesh and blood. When I converse with you, I mean, we're, meeting, we're meeting on the outside. That's how meetings and encounters happen in human relations. Okay? Look at Jesus. He says, Behold my hands, my feet, that is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone, as you see me have. Well, what are they going to touch when they grab him? His flesh. So this is perfect logical sense. Well, if you think I'm a ghost here. Nail prints. Side. And they're going to reach through him. Right. And so how do they know that he's got bone? They can feel it. Now, I used to belong to a group of people who would make mountains out of mohills. They would maximize on the miners. And they lost the majors in a big way. So, we made a lot of hay out of this fact that he said he was flesh and bone. Well, see, he doesn't have any blood anymore. See, he's a spirit being now. Wrong, 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 wrong. I just, I just told you, flesh and blood is synonymous with flesh and bone. What's made this is just logic, okay? The first man was of the earth. The second man, the Lord from heaven. He was a life-giving spirit, life-quickening spirit. So, but he's resurrected. All of him is resurrected. He forever welded himself to a human frame. Where does Jesus sit? Right hand of God. And, but what was the, what was the physical representation of the throne of God in heaven. What's it called? The mercy seat. The mercy seat. The chariot of God, the throne of God is held up by the four living creatures. And the mercy seat is the the mercy seat is the throne of God in the holy of holies. This is where we're going. Through the veil to the holiest of all. Okay? Jesus that Ark of the Covenant was just a shadow copy that one time a year a priest would splash blood on. We are told to come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. He sits on the Father's throne at His right side. The throne of mercy, the mercy seat. The blood that atoned for you is in the body of the resurrected Jesus Christ, alive and well, sitting on the real actual, true throne of God, the real mercy seat. It's not a scab buried underneath Calvary. 
And even if it did reach its way through the crags and fall on that golden thing that was made as a shadow copy, that act pales by the fact that he is a priest forever in the power of an eternal life after the order of Melchizedek. This is the meat of the word of God. The active high priest, alive forever in heaven. <clears throat> Handle me and see. A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. When we plead the blood of Jesus Christ, we're not talking about just an event that happened to his body and scabs on pieces of wood that we can chase as holy relics to hopefully help and heal somebody. We're pleading the very life, essence, and accomplished work of our living Lord and Savior, the High Priest in Heaven, who forever has been interceding for you. I hope to increase your faith in your redemption today. God's interactions with us move from the inside out. This is God's way. See, we confer with flesh and blood, but God deals with blood and flesh. 1 Samuel, remember the story? Samuel goes, God sends him to Jesse, and he's going to anoint one of his sons to replace uh, Saul. So Samuel goes, and Jesse comes, and he brings all his boys out, and Saul sees the first two. He's like, boy, these are strapping young, strong men. This must be them. Hey, Becky. And, uh, and God says to him, look not on his countenance. What are you looking at when you see someone's countenance? Your flesh. Their flesh. And God says, don't look at the countenance or the height of his stature. Oh, I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to go back to Ephesians 6.12. Well, I thought you were going to pull out People magazine or something. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I struggle with, and I'm endeavoring to classify them as vain imaginations, is in interpersonal relationships is to ascribe motive to other people as if I can read their mind. <laughs> and then I set reaction and attitude and response to them based upon how I think they're behaving. For instance, two days ago I'm on a job site, I'm with the crew, things are kind of quiet, I'm not so sure I'm fitting in. I'm not even so sure the foreman's like, I just don't know, you know? But I'm working away. And um, anyhow, he gets the schedule for the next day. And so I'm, I'm struggling with this. I don't know if you ever do this. I mean, but I do this, right? So I'm, I'm in here. I'm working with a bunch of guys. And I'm like, you know, and, I, and I'm telling myself, this is stupid, Nick. We're working. We're grown men. We're working. We're getting a job done. Why are you? You're not in high school here, okay? Get the job done. And, and you're ascribing vain imaginations. You're ascribing thoughts to people. You don't know what's going on. No one's spoken offensively to you. No one's done any injury to you, so why are you getting an attitude? Get cheerful and work. This is the conversations I have with myself during the day. And so... <laughs> You're straightening yourself up. Absolutely. you got to. It's called renewing your mind. It's called getting every thought captive to Christ, right? And so he goes down, and he because we're in a secure building, and I could really go on a rabbit trail, but I'm not. He, and he goes down, he checks the schedule, he comes up, he goes, nah, you, you got to go back out to joint, joint staff tomorrow. And I'm like, so I had to pack up my tools and, and, and uh, get him out of the building, right? 
So I said, man, I was, I was having fun working with you. And he goes, yeah, I always enjoy having you. <laughs> Boom. You know, I mean, completely blew away. And I'd already had this sorting out of the mind, right? Okay. Why Ephesians 6.12? You know, if, if God had said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, if that was really it, where do you see the confrontation coming from first? If you think about wrestling with flesh and blood, where's the confrontation approaching you first? Family. In your head. Huh? Family. Um, well, it could be a family confrontation, but if I'm thinking about wrestling and the next word I see is flesh, I'm thinking about a physical confrontation. I am envisioning a breach in human relations that is based on someone taking a swing at my head or trying to twist my arm behind my back. But that's not what it says. It says we don't wrestle against blood and flesh. Which means if the heart of a man is turned against me, I'm still not wrestling against that intent. Because if they are wrestling against me, all they are is deceived. They don't know. They don't know. I don't wrestle even with true intents I know. I wrestle against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. You've got to see behind the lie. See, any breach in human relation is part of the curse. Any lack of peace between us is part of the curse. Jesus tore the wall down between and brought peace. So any lack of peace is interference. Now, if you're at peace with God and man's at war with you, and most of them will be if you truly are at peace with God. He said that. Right? Yes. They're going to hate you. Okay, so why are you surprised? Why well, get surprised? There's no need no, to. No, so, I, I, okay, anyhow, but even at that, how are you going to attack him? Well, he's a real SOB. I, 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 I mean, is that how you're going to attack him? Or are you going to target the spirit being that is warping that person's soul, that's attacking that person's heart? If that blood and flesh comes at you and you go behind their head and smack a spirit, all of a sudden you find people getting along with you and they don't even know why. <clears throat> they have no... You, you, you do it in the spirit realm. We don't wrestle against blood and flesh. So God says, don't look at the height of his stature. Don't look at his countenance. I've refused him. I, we judge the book by its cover all the time. You know, we say it as it don't judge a book by its cover. The reality, I know this. You know why I try to sell books. You know what the worst thing you can do to a book is? Give it a bad cover. You better. You know, I'm getting ready to spend $300 on editor or $400 on, on, the, on the book design. There you go. The cover. I got a cheap editor. She's good, but she's cheap. <laughs> Inexpensive, I should say. Okay? So, but that's what we do. I refuse them. The Lord seeth not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. Okay? All right. Now, everybody needs to take a breath. Ready? Everybody here breathe? Did you breathe, Wesley? <laughs> Wesley? 
If you remember this, if you remember this. Where's Gideon? Gideon, if you remember this, men, if you get this, it will improve your life exponentially. Women are left off. No, 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 no. <laughs> Women get blessed. Genesis 2.21 and 2.23. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof instead. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This now is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. <laughs> this is man in his unfallen state recognizing the true value of his wife and seeing from the inside out. Not the outside in. Look what he didn't say. Adam didn't look at the woman and say, my, my, what a fine piece of flesh. I think I'll call her mine for she pleases me. He didn't start with the flesh. He said, she is bone of my bones. He recognized that she'd been crafted from the very core of his being. He knew that it was because of the bone that she was his flesh. He saw from the inside out. If we could just get to the point where we understand those two things, we don't wrestle against blood and flesh, and that we recognize our wise bone to flesh, and not flesh to my bone, we'd be better off. I did say that. Anyhow. Okay? Alright? Well, but then he said, Whoa, man. Whoa, man. I'd be preaching now. So see, God sees from the inside out. We need to learn to see and look from the inside out. Blood and flesh. The nuance is important. Okay? Paul, preaching in Athens, said that God hath made of one blood all nations of men. This is why I say that Blood and flesh and bone and flesh are synonymous idioms. He took a bone from Adam and he crafted the woman. But the blood was only made once. It's all Adam's blood. Because in the day he created a male and female created he them, and he called their name Adam. It was their name. Now, Married folks, you know you got pet names for each other. Holly, sugar baby. Uh-huh. Adam and Eve. Eve wasn't her name. Her proper name was Adam. His proper name was Adam. Ish and Isha were their pet names, man and woman. Aww. He called her Isha. I just had a Russian lesson. I got two Russians working on the job. And the guy I'm working with, Pavel, the guy I'm trying to learn Russian from, and so then the, 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 uh, the foreman, his name is uh, Sergei. And everyone calls him Serge, S-E-R-G-E. -E. I said, Sergei, right? And he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so he's, he's, talking to, he's talking to Pavel, and I enjoy working with Pavel quite a bit. Pavel's a man in his uh, early 60s, maybe. And, and anyhow, so they're talking to each other in Russian. I'm just digging it. I don't understand anything they're saying. But every time he calls Pavel, he says, Pasha. Pasha. And I'm, I'm listening to this, I'm like, okay. 
So I, I pulled Pablo aside and I said, is, is Pasha to Pavel the same thing Misha is to Mikhail? He said, yes. I said, okay. So what would be Sergei? Would Sergei be Sasha? He said, no. Serga? Sersha. Okay. <laughs> Ish, Isha. Not related, but you get the point. It's an endearment. It's a diminutive. The close friends talk to each other. The proper name is used, but then, you know, if you know each other, then you get the diminutives. Pasha. Pablo. Ish, Isha. You get it? It's an endearment. Their name was Adam. You know when she got the name Eve? She's the baby mama. When he was fallen and she became the baby mama, he called her Eve. He changed her name. He started seeing her a different way. Okay? Question. Yes, ma'am. Was that still a positive thing, though? Because wasn't her name like Mother of Living, even though she brought death into the oh, world? Um, sure, it's positive. The point is, is that his perspective's different. Our redemption hinges on the blood. Our and, 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 and when we get how epic this is, how truly only God could do it this is, mm -hmm. I trust that your thankfulness in His redemption of you raises, that your love for Him raises, that your faith for Him raises, because I'm telling you, it is just hard to speak. Hard to grab. So New Testament blood was shed for their mission. This is the blood of the New Testament which is shed for their missions of sins. Right? Blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without blood being shed, your sin doesn't get removed. It requires blood. <clears throat> the purging of His blood is received by faith. Through faith. Listen to me. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is supposed to set our conscience free from dead works to serve a living God. And if you're still at the cross trying to get rid of sin and guilt and pleading the blood, and you're still tied up in sin and guilt, you don't have a blood problem. You've got a faith problem. Would you just believe what God said? And when He said He forgave you, He forgave you? You have no responsibility to carry the burden of guilt and sin that He died for. You might as well just pull out a nail and start hammering him back onto that piece of wood. Makes no sense at all. He did not die for you to go around and whine about what a crumb you are. His blood is accessed through faith. Do you believe it? When He said He forgave you? Leviticus 17, verses 10 and 11. And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel, the strangers that sojourn among you, that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood, and will cut him off from among his people. For the life, the nephesh, of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for your nephesh. I put nephesh 
in blood. And I gave you the blood of animals to put on the altar to atone for the sin in your nephesh, your soul. Are you with me? Are you following? The blood of animals has soul life. And God's considering that soul life set apart and holy. It's not for human consumption. It's to be buried in the earth or put on the altar. It's very precious to Him. Very sacred to Him. And He gave it so that He can cover sin. He was so intent about it that when Noah was loading animals on the ark, extra room was made for the clean animals. Seven of each, male and female, so that when they got off the ark, they could sacrifice some animals for all the human, all the human conflict they had while they were on the boat. Trust me, there was some. You ever been in a boat shoveling, you know, while the world is drowning? I'm sure somebody got hot under the collar. So the first thing they did when they came off the boat is they had burn offerings. The actual first offering was a living dove that didn't come back home. All right. Everybody stretch. Okay? Because this is, this is what I really want us to get. And, and so now, you know, we've kind of gone, we've kind of gone this way. We're kind of clickety, 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 clickety. You know, we've kind of gone, you ever been on a roller coaster? No, no. Well, on a roller coaster, don't ever get on one. It's horrible. But on a roller coaster, you go, you go real slow up a hill, and everything's okay. You tell you something's okay, and you get right to the top, and everything cuts loose. We're about ready to cut loose. Okay? God's biotech of redemption. God's biotech of redemption. Remember Psalm 104.4, and we read this out of Hebrews 1, that God made angels spirits of flaming fire. Okay? Fire is the life principle of angels. If you could cut an angel, okay, just to make a, a picture for you, if you had a weapon that could cut an angel, you better stand back because the splatter that comes out is frying hot. They're fire. You understand? Just like the life principle in you is in the blood, the life principle in the angels in the flaming fire, and that's how he made them. And when we get to verse 16 of this, of this chapter, we'll, we'll begin, this will start to come together, okay? But angels... He made spirits of flaming fire. Hebrews 2.16 tells us He didn't take their form. And we know that from Philippians 2.5. He took on the likeness of man. He did not take on an angelic form. Still with me? Soul life, which in the Hebrew is nephesh, and suke in the Greek, was created in whales and fish and fowls First, the life animating principle that we call soul, that the Hebrews referred to as the nephesh, that in Greek is called suke, had no prior existence before God created it on the sixth day, fifth day, 
whales. And God created the fifth day. Ah, the fifth day. Five in scriptures, the number of grace. Huh. Yeah. Okay? So that's that's in Genesis 1, 20, 21. Now we're gonna get technical, but the technicalities are important. Just like flesh and blood is different than blood and flesh. When we understand these technicalities, it will hopefully increase our appreciation for what God has done. Genesis 1, verses 20 and 21. And God said that the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created, bara. God created, bara. Made something new that hadn't existed before and created out of nothing, bara. Great whales and every living creature, nefesh. And there it is, kaboom. Oh, this is the creation account. Every day God created something. Have you read it? Have you read the creation account? Because that's not what it says. Did God create it? Sure he did. But that's not what he gives emphasis to. There are basically three formulas in Genesis 1. And the formulas are God said and God made. God said and there was. God said and it was so. God said and God created. Okay? So there are nuances. And there, there are truths like set like jewels in a ring in the nuances. Okay? So he created the nephesh. Do you think that um, only humans were created out of the dust of the ground, not animals? No, animals were created. Were, animals were See, humans were created out of the dust of the ground. Humans were not created out of the dust of the ground. They were formed out of the dust of the ground. Because the nuances matter. Okay, so, side rabbit trail. Let the earth bring forth is, I think, the language for land creatures and such. And let the waters bring forth. Let the waters bring forth. The waters and the air and the earth all belong to the earth. And God called the animals out of the elements of the earth. This is why when an animal dies... The spirit of an animal goes down, and the spirit of man goes up. Because God created the spirit of man. So when an animal dies, and when a man dies. Now we're all connected to the earth, but animals are spiritually connected to the earth. There is a spirit in the animal, in that sense. Okay, so are we surprised when animals know when winter's coming and we don't? when dogs know something's not right and we don't because they're intuitively connected now we are also intuitively connected to the earth the problem is if we get too earth focused but that's a whole other rabbit trail you with me so far okay he created this nephesh let me back up every winged fowl so he put this soul and marine mammals, and in fish, and in all the birds of the air, he put in nephesh. He put in soul. And he said later in Leviticus, the life of the flesh, the life, the soul of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you to make atonement for your soul on the altar. 
Doves, therefore, were the first sacrificial animals invested with the life principle in blood that would allow atonement for sin on the altar of God. Doves. Jesus comes out of the water at his baptism. He descends like a dove. And the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. The Godhead had been waiting for a millennium. And in their time frame, whatever is called, prior to the foundation of the world, they had been waiting for that moment when he would come out of that water. And the Holy Spirit came down like a descending dove. And just like they see a dove would have its net broken, but the body wouldn't be parted, and it would be taken and split and laid out on the altar. So when a dove lays out on the altar, it's cruciform and burned entire. The covering gift for the poor. First sacrificial animal invested with soul life that God would then allow to substitute for man's soul on the altar. Are you with me? Man became a living nephesh when the breath of God entered him. Genesis 2.7 There went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. If I just read you verse 7 all the time and you think about this, God formed man of the dust of the ground. When you hear the word dust, what do you think? What do you see? Dry, crumbly, dry dirt, right? You can't manipulate it. Instead of clay. That whole ground was watered with mist. And God formed man. He formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed. What is the breath of God? Fire. Ruach HaKodesh. The wind of God. The Spirit of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. So God breathed the breath of life into man. And then something else happened. Man became a living nephesh. Man became a living nephesh. So when you add dirt and water, what is it? Clay. Absolutely. Absolutely clay. This is the picture of Genesis 2-7. Not dusty dirt clods. O Lord, Thou art our Father, and we are the clay. Thou art potter, and we all the work of Thy hand. Isaiah 64-8. Wet earth, wet clay. Okay? There's... There, there is so much that God invested in the nuance of all of this and in, in, in the making and in the forming and the name of Adam and the name of the ground and the look of it and what it means and blood in the face and red clay and the whole bit. But it all comes back to a face toward God that has blood in it because the life of the flesh is in the blood. So man's composition, <clears throat> Job 32, 8 out of the ESV, but it is the spirit of man, the breath of the Almighty, See, the breath of the Almighty 
put a spirit in man. So God created man in his own image. Male and female created he them. And that created part of man was the spirit of man. Where we most reflect the likeness of God. That spirit of man is the God house in you. That's where Christ dwells. That's where the Holy Spirit sealed. That's what got saved on that saved event when you got born again, recreated. That's where you were dead before you came to Christ because it was separated from God. So the uh, animals came from the dust and were alive at that point, but God made our dirt bodies alive by breathing into them. Yes. Now there are other verses in other creation accounts in Scripture that basically say God's breath gave life to everything. But He didn't make anything else after His likeness. Okay? So there is a distinction. So this, Ecclesiastes talks about the spirit of the animal. It's just, it's just hard to stay on track here, but are you familiar with totems? Yeah. Alright, totems. So we play around with totems. So, you know, we talk about, so, uh, we talk about um, personality identifications. We try to find handles that make personality identifications, you know, is he sanguine and phlegmatic, is he choleric, is he, you know, is, is he uh, Myers-Briggs, or is he, what's the newest one? Enneagram. Yeah, your Enneagram. Let's boil it down to one number. Anyhow, and so then um, there have been, even in Christian ministries, there's been this whole thing where it's like, well, he's the lion, he's the beaver, and he's the this, and he's the that. Mm -hmm trying to give us an understanding or an angle where we see an animal and identify with it. Well, the reason why this has power is because this is what God did. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right? Cry not. The Lion of the tribe of Judah is overcome. He'll open the scroll. Okay? So, all the devil does is corrupt. Copy, corrupt. Copy and corrupt. So when you get into um, uh, shamanism, native earthbound religious spirituality, what they work with are animal spirits. Animal spirits enhanced and amplified by demons. This is what totem poles are. This is what the totem pole... Um, stack and symbols are. They all attached to We do it with our teams, you know, the lions, the tigers, and the bears all lions. They're totems. It's a spirit world, people. Anyhow, the breath of the Almighty is the spirit of man that gives understanding. Okay? With me so far? The spirit of God hath made me, Job 33, 4, hath made me, asa, made and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Okay? He breathed into him the breath of life, and then that breath of life made something. Asa. I, am, I also am formed of the clay. Job 33, 6. This is, again, God formed. That's the word Yetzar. So we have three different words. Baha, which is create. Asa, which is to make. And Yetzar, which is to form. And they each have their own nuance. 
Isaiah 43, verses 6 and 7. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. It's a good prayer for parents with kids who are gone. For everyone that is called by my name, for I have created, bara, him, for my glory. I have formed, yatsar, him, yea, I have made him, asa. Asa. What part of man was formed? His body was formed. So he created man in his own image. What part of man was created? His spirit. Well, what's left? Soul. His soul. His soul was made. Well, he couldn't create Nephish for man. Why? He had already created Nephish for animals. He had already, so he couldn't do a new thing. Well, my lands, why would he create Nephish for animals first? Aren't we special? Shouldn't our soul be different? Well, it is different, but it's made of the same stuff. This is why animals and humans can communicate. This is how humans are supposed to have dominion and be sovereign, in a good way, over the animals. That makes sense? Horses are a lot of fun to talk to. They'll talk back, straight back at yeah. This is not crazy. This is not crazy. This is life. Every time Christians get into it, that sounds kind of new age to me. Back created it. It's not new age. I'm supposed to have the. How can I have dominion over something I can't talk to? Or understand. It's as old as it comes. Right. So, so the pain people feel when pets die is real. The connection people feel to their pets is real, and their animals it's real. Don't poo-poo it. It's real. Souls have emotions. Your pet has emotions. Now, now we project to a human level into a pet, and that's not, that's not, they're not at that level. They're not human. But they have a lot invested in them. Trust me, God can use them to prophesy, so don't you be shy. <laughs> right? You know? Keep quiet long enough to see what his rock sounds like when it sings. All right? So we have created, formed, made. Are we doing okay? Okay. All right. Created, formed, and made. Bara, created, bara, to create out of nothing. It carries the thought of the initiation of the object involved. It always connotes what only God can do and frequently emphasizes the absolute newness of the object created. So, the animating force known as nephish, soul life, did not exist before God created it on day five. Okay? If there are any fossils that actually are on earth that predate day five, they were not animated by soul life. Just saying. Formed is to form, mold, or fashion. It's a technical potter's word. It's to form. Shape it. Got it? Asa is, is the most general word. It's one of those stretchy words. It, it covers a lot of ground. But it's a matter of what it's, it's putting the focus on. Asa puts the focus on the fashioning of the object. Okay? Not any, any special nuance to the term itself. So it's not, you know, where the object came from or what it's made of. It's just the actual fashioning of it. Where formed is, is really a technical potter's kind of a thing. You know, you're, you're making a pot. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, right? Okay. All right. So... If God made, 
formed a soul life for man when he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul, what, what soul life was he using as his basic work? What raw material? His own. Yeah. Nope. The soul life he had made before. The soul life of animals, that life principle is biotech on a spiritual level. The life principle nephish that he had made for animals, God took and molded and heightened because he gave it the spirit of man from the breath of the Almighty and he shaped it into something that's analogous but higher than the soul life of animals. He used stuff that was there. He used clay that was there to make a body. We don't think that's weird. Right? Well, he used his own body. No, he didn't. He used dirt. He got dirt. Okay. So when he made soul life, he didn't take... There was no soul life in heaven. It's spirit. It's all spirit. The living creatures are spirit creatures. I know this because their life's in the fire and the wheels. Their life, just like our life is in the blood, their life's in the fire and the wheels. Scripture is very specific about this. It gets really technical. Just got to look at it. Is that Ezekiel you're talking about? Yes, ma'am. Ezekiel, absolutely. Okay? So, so he took... I just got to go on. The Lord God created, barah, created something new out of nothing, nephish for animals. He then took the nephish and fashioned it to fit man. He did this when he created the spirit of man by breathing life into him. Thus, he could use animal nephish in the blood as a substitution for the covering of sin until the blood nephish of the Son was poured out for the remission of sin. That's why the whole tabernacle system worked, because it's the same life principle. And he decided to use the life animating force that he had created on. He created on intentional. Everything's intentional, but this is like, okay, now I've got this new trick, this new bag. I'm going to make soul life. And he put it in doves. And then he said, you take that dove and you wring its neck and you just spread its blood on that altar. If you can't afford a lamb, if you can't afford anything, get a turtle dove and you put that on the altar. And he sent his son who divested himself of everything that was Godhead and lived for 30 years absent the forever connection he had had as Godhead. And when he broke out of the water, Holy Spirit came back and he came back like a dove. Oh God. What they did. The entire order of creation was set to redeem you should your father mess up. What a God. What a God. Oh Lord Almighty. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. And we're back into nuance. See, partakers is coin to nail to have a share in common with someone else. Born of blood, by the flesh, and the will of man. That's all of us. We didn't have any choice in it. It's just our inheritance for who we are, humans. We inherited our Father's blood and His sin and His flesh and His corruption. All of it. Right? By the will of man, by the will of the flesh, he likewise, para plesios, made up of para alongside and plesios, nearby. 
The Lord Jesus and His incarnation took place alongside and nearby the human race. The nuance in these isn't that He didn't have blood. He didn't have Adam's blood. That's not the nuance in this verse. The nuance is, okay, He came alongside the human race. He made His grave with the wicked. He made His grave with the wicked, Isaiah 53.9. He took part, meteko, made up of echo to hold and meta, with. We're going to see this, this word again when we get to verse 16. Thus to hold with. It speaks of the unique fact of the incarnation as a voluntary acceptance of humanity. A voluntary, Jesus said, Boom. I'll dive in. I'll dive in. We were wet. He dove in. We were drafted. He volunteered. We were born here. He was naturalized. Get it? Here am I. Send me. He goes in. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, before the establishment of the cosmos, before God said, let there be light over the chaos. They had decided that they would make great whales and fish and fowl and create nephish on day five and on day six, that they would take wet clay and form it and breathe life into it and take the nephish of the animal and shape it for a man so that if your father sinned, they would have a process and a means to atone for that sin until they could remove it and he could enter in our race. He did not do this for angels. They were all fire already. Do you understand? God can't die. Do you get it? The spirit that animated the flesh of Jesus of Nazareth was the spirit of the Son. Who has, who is I am. He can't die. To die, he has to take a soul. And they decided this before the foundation of the world. Are you with me? You still with me? This is how I put it in my book, The Blood of Jesus Christ. That God had decided to create a free will moral creature as their sub-regent over the earth. This earthly king could rule with them or decide to rebel, just as other angelic regents had already done. But this one would be different the Godhead would design man to be redeemable. Since the need for redemption might arise, a redeemer had to be identified prior to initializing the entire creative process. In love, the Godhead determined that the Son would fulfill that role. Thus, He was the Lamb of God before the first you was made or ever gave birth. Oh, people, do you understand? He was slain from the foundations of the world. 
Or let there be light. The sun said, okay. Okay. I'm the B plan. I'm the blood plan. This is out of Love Everlasting, a practical theology of time. Before the light pierced the darkness, before the waters were parted with heaven, before they were gathered to expose dry land, before grass grew and fruit trees bloomed, before stars were scattered across the night sky and the sun rose to light the moon, before fish swam or birds flew over the creepers and the cattle of the earth, before he wet the clay and breathed his very life spirit into the potter's finest vessel, the sun was committed to salvage man should his moral free will turn him to darkness. Oh God Almighty, what a Savior we have. Oh, people, this redemption of ours is the center frame of the entire creation. This is why the whole creation groans and waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. That it might express itself the way it was intended, because we will be the way we were intended. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.